Let me unchap these lips. Oh my god. We don't need that. I drank like a whole, I chugged a whole bottle of water to try and wake me up. It didn't work. Wake me up. Wake me up inside. No, I'm pretty dead inside. All right, here we go. Um, ooh, therapy. Okay, here we go. <laughs> blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. You can find us on Facebook at B-L-E-R-D-U-P. You can find us on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-U-P. And we are on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. Find us on Blurred.com, our partners. Great website full of nerdy content from a black cultural lens. I did it all without slipping. The power of coffee. Once again, I am exhausted. Uh, we are doing online classes now, and Yay. it has been difficult. So my new co-host here, Tiara, bought me a coffee, and I am perked and alert. Wired. Wired. So, yeah, let me introduce Tiara to the show. Woo! Tiara is a published author, yes, YouTuber, mm-hmm. and she's an ESL teacher and career just like myself. Yes. And how long have you been here? I've been here for three years. At at least by October, I'll be here for three years officially. So you, you came here in October too? Yeah. Me too. Oh, cool. It'll mark 13 years for me in October. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're a veteran, dude. Vet. Career so, yeah. vet. But yeah, we, uh, we met at a Black Lives Matter charity yes. event. Yes, yes. It was really nice. That was that was a good show. It was. It was a really good show. Everybody was good. Everyone was excellent. Yeah. It was a, a charity event. We had some performers and auctioned off some items. And yeah, I hosted it. And I mm-hmm. just started just being social with the black folks there. And yep. we linked up and started talking about Splatoon and yeah. <laughs> Switch. And then... Yep, everything. Here, and here we are. Yeah, good to have you. Yeah. So, you want to say any, any words? Um... Like he said, I'm a published author and a YouTuber. YouTube is my hobby, and writing is my the career that I aspire to have after ESL teaching. Um, I write romance and fantasy. Ooh, together, romance and fantasy. Yeah, and then um, my YouTube channel is like lifestyle and trying to help and support younger girls with the things that I struggled with, like sharing my struggles so that they can learn from it and then grow from that as well that's wonderful yeah. what's your what's your youtube page my youtube page is actually my name tiara latrice my first and middle name how do you spell that t-i-a-r-a-l-e-a-t-r-i-c-e together all together that's dope yeah, yeah that's great yeah please go follow her so this is going to be one of our beefier shows okay we're going to discuss the dc fandom event we're going to get caught up on Lovecraft Country. I'm going to review New Mutants. But first, we're going to start off our show with something rather heavy. Yeah. Um, the passing of black cultural icon Chadwick Boseman, who passed away last weekend. Yeah. Chadwick Boseman had a manifesto to break as many barriers as he could. And he's been around for a long time doing TV roles, but he got his big break playing Jackie Robinson in the movie 42. Where are we down? You are not the only one with something at stake here. You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No, I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. You give me a uniform. You give me a number on my back. I'll give you the guts. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I saw that movie when I was younger, and it meant a lot to me. 
Yeah. I mean, his performance is just incredible. He just, He's so good. Yeah. He embodies these these legends with such confidence mm-hmm. and, and nuance. You could easily see, oh, this dude could be Black Panther right yes, there. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Did you know he died on the same day as Jackie Robinson Day? Really? The the MLB's, um, their annual celebration of Jackie Robinson. No way. Yeah, I know that. That's it's, ironic. Yeah. After that movie, he played James Brown in Get On Up, Thurgood Marshall in Marshall, and of course we were introduced to him as Black Panther in 2016's Civil War, and he right. only went up from there. Right. But all during this time, he was having treatments and surgeries for the cancer that was slowly weakening him. Just what, what tremendous strength to endure that. Right. I guess we can forgive him for being in Gods of Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I have to add some some kind of levity to this. Because, right, man, this, right. is, this was heavy. This yeah. is very heavy for us. Have you seen Gods of Egypt? So I not only have I seen Gods of Egypt, even though the movie was, in my opinion, trash. Uh-oh. I also have a Gods of Egypt t-shirt <laughs> that I got from an anime convention a few years ago. Okay. So I wear it all the time. Wow. It's my favorite shirt. It's actually quite soft. Th- so Does it have the white folks on it or is it is just the It's got it's just it's um on the front of it it says Gods of Egypt and on the back of it there's like this winged god creature thing. So yeah, the white folks are not on it. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, his performance was for what he came to do. What he did. He he, did, he was his, good. In his little thing that he did. It was a good performance. Yeah, it was like it was kind of like he was kind of shopping an accent that he would modify for Black Panther later. Yeah, it was like, oh, this is just practice. <laughs> yeah, but he was almost like whimsical, which I right. you, you don't associate with Chadwick Boseman. No. I, uh, we have a clip for it. I'll let me share with you guys really, really quick. Rich with generous compost. Colorful. Mainly in the green and red spectrums. Variegated varieties with inflorescences composed of multiple florets. Each with a modified calyx. Wise lord of the sacred word, you seek your counsel. Once a weed, uprooted and burned, now prized for the vigor of its oils and the sustenance of its leaves. What? What is its truth? You, turn around. You prefer the view from behind? No, I. Well, yes. You know I can't lie. Turn. I'm not going to risk looking at those tricky eyes of yours. Yeah, he's just, it was, it's so different from Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, just what a, what a thing to wake up to. Because right. for some people, back in America, this happened in the evening. They got this right, news. Right. But I literally. We literally just woke up over here. And then the first thing we see opening our cell phones is about Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just. I couldn't process it. I couldn't, I didn't know what to think. Yeah. I froze. I completely froze. Yeah. I went to the gym that Saturday afternoon and I almost cried there. And I, just, I had to leave early. Mm. I think in a way I kind of like my, my mind tried to block the day out because when I woke up, I was supposed to like work, work on my writing and do some editing and talk to my alpha readers. And instead I open my phone and I see this and all of that went out the window. Mm. And like, I just remember just freezing and like being in disbelief. And then my mom messaged me Mm. 
and I just broke down. Yeah. Yeah. I think I cried for hours. Yeah. More important than what he meant to me, Black Panther meant a lot to my Korean students. Yes. I remember asking my students who their favorite character was in Civil War, and so many said Black Panther. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like in my head, like Denzel Washington in Training Day, like, my nigga. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They argued over who could play him during the recess games. Mm. You know, you were you were Black Panther last time. It's my turn. You oh, know? that's cute. Seriously, yeah. At my current school, one of the first things I remember was a student calling me Mr. Black Panther. Oh. Every time she came off the bus, we would do this high five and do the, do the Wakanda salute like in the movie. But mm-hmm. like, like him and his sister. It was our thing. Some of my kids have dressed as him for the past two Halloweens. I showed the video of Chadwick Boseman's training for Black Panther to a few of my students. It's a, a warm-up for, from the martial art Kali, and I know it from my own training. And you can, you can YouTube Chadwick Boseman training for Black Panther, and it should pop up. But anyway, I promised to teach some of the kids if they behave better. And my kids improved their behavior oh. so that they could get closer to the image and abilities of this black man. It was the first time I've ever really seen kids want to do that, want to yeah. be a black person. Chadwick Boseman helped me connect with my students on a unique level. And yeah. so I'll always treasure that. Yeah. For my students as well, it was a bit different. Um, my students, they didn't really know that black people could look different shades. Mm. So when I first came to Korea and I came to my and came to my school, my students were like, what is this human? <laughs> Where does she come from? Why does she look like this? Is she part Korean? We don't know. And then I would be like, no, I'm black. And they're like, are you sure? <laughs> so like for the past three years, I had been teaching them that black people are different shades. So mm-hmm. every time I would put in our PPTs and our lessons, black people have different shades. So at first they were like, oh, this person, like you teacher? And I'm like, yeah, you got it. And then after Black Panther came out, that's when they really started to get it, it because Black Panther like showed all black people of different shades. So it finally clicked. So like their way of telling me that they understand, they would go like, ah, teacher, what kind of forever? Like you, teacher. And I would, <laughs> and I would be like, you got it. <laughs> right. It's so beautiful to disconnect on that level. Yeah. So, yeah, when this this happened, you know, when tragedy strikes, people react in different ways. And right. sometimes... With something like this deep cultural loss, it can be overwhelming, just the reactions and outpouring of emotions. And I thought about posting a video of me training my student. We took the video on Halloween, and he's actually in the Black Panther suit. Mm. But it didn't feel right. Mm. In this era of social media, I don't know how you feel about it, but sometimes it's hard to know the line between sincerity and narcissism. Yeah, are people posting in order to boost their profiles or are they really grieving and giving tribute to someone who touched them? Right. It's really, really hard to tell. Yeah. So I, I decided to keep all that to myself and just kind of save my thoughts for this show. On the extreme side of this particular situation, Sean King yeah, has been accused of trying to profit off of Chadwick Boseman's death to sell his book. So in an email, fresh after... His death, let me read this for you. Hello, my friend. I hope you are hanging in there. 
Yesterday, I sent an email checking in on everybody, and just a few hours later, we learned of the death of Chadwick Boseman. Life is so very fragile. Tomorrow is not promised. Over the past six years of the Black Lives Matter movement, I have traveled to 47 states, teaching, organizing, learning, and leading. Like, blah. Like, he just kind of just stepped over this guy just to start. Right. It started going straight into, here's a promotion about my yes. tour. I'm yeah. like, bro, read the room. Like, what are you doing? Like, what don't, are you don't doing? Don't put that together. If you're going to make an email, like a newsletter, because, like, authors have newsletters all the time. Sure. It's a very normal thing for us authors to do is to have a newsletter. I don't have one because... I don't feel like it because <laughs> it's a lot of work and authors, it's, it's just a normal thing. But when it comes to a sensitive topic like this, if you're going to write that into a newsletter, only talk about that. Yes. Only have it about that. Talk about how this person impacted you, how their how their death has, um, you know, hurt you in a way. Like explain all of that and then just leave it at that. Don't try to promote yourself. Right. Save that for the next newsletter. Right. They're pre-written anyway. Right. Exactly. He responded to his critics saying, quote, I literally do not make a penny off of sales for my book. I had a mass email pre-scheduled to go out this morning about my book. I updated the email to also mention the death of Chadwick. I don't regret it at all. Mm. So this feels like a lie to me. So sure. Yeah. As you may know, you know, obviously authors may get in advance to write their book. But if the book sells well, the author certainly gets part of that pie. Right. I'm sure Michelle Obama got a very beefy advance. Yeah. For becoming. But after that got released and became an international bestseller, you best believe she got some money off that. Oh, yeah. And it depends, too, because some of the some of the authors are indie authors. But Sean King is not an indie author. If you're not an indie author, you work for one of the publishing houses and they give you a cut in advance and they give you the rest of the money after you've sold enough copies and it's like you know what you're doing <laughs> like that's almost like, like a like a trump lie like right. this is so easily a lie bro like right. what are you talking about right so if he hasn't been canceled 835 <laughs> times already he's definitely canceled now. he's canceled now definitely for sure like, this is one of those moments where it was just too sensitive yeah like, like what are you doing if, like i said if you're gonna write a newsletter just separate it put it in half Today, this one. Next week, that one. Right. Easy. To a, to a lesser extent on the spectrum of narcissism, we have regular people. And there's, you know, there's this silent agreement with social media. I will like the content you share on the condition that you like what I share. And this social currency, you know, drives the algorithms, the business, etc. And all weekend, I saw art, old and new cosplay pictures, etc. And I'm sure a lot of it was sincere. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, I, I cynically thought, are they using this moment to get likes to promote themselves? Mm-hmm. Are they assimilating this major loss in our culture into a boost for their brand? Mm. Like, what are the guidelines to follow for tragic situations like this, you know? Right. I don't have the answers. I mean, the title of this show is about Chadwick Bozeman, which was a conscious choice. But yeah... I, I mean, I've been doing this show for two years now, over two years now, and I've do, I've done nothing but lose money. So <laughs> trust me when I say I'm not profiting off of this at all. Um, I just like doing this. But yeah, just this past weekend, I, I mean, maybe, you know, folks really do genuinely feel this way about, you know, the only way a cosplayer can express their their grief mm-hmm. is to do art in that way. Right. You know, a visual artist, their only way to show thanks a tribute is to draw, et cetera, that, that right. way. Um, but there were some times this weekend I 
I caught a feeling that some of these posts were making the death about them mm-hmm. more, and that made me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Did you sense I, that at all? I think, honestly, for me, because when certain things like this happen, on and I see it on social media, I kind of just turn off social media mm. immediately. That's the way I deal with it. I try to, like, I might post a little bit about it, but then I cut it off so that uh, I can deal with the rest of it privately and on my own. Sure. So, like, I... I saw a few posts that were about um, art, you know, Black Panther related art. And then also there was a lot of parents posting about their kids, you know, making tributes to Black Panther. And they were all done the exact same way. So I started to wonder if maybe like one parent saw one other parent post this and decide to tell their kid, hey, you should do this, which doesn't really help because kids process death very differently from adults. Sure. And, like, a kid finding out that they lost their hero, that's... And then you're like, oh, make a tribute. It's like... It made me wonder if they were also doing this for the for the clicks and the likes. Yeah, it's not a, a Mother's and Day not, card. Right, because I'm like, this is, this is your kid here. This is much different. Yeah. As an adult, you can handle this on your own, but as a child, you can't. And you can't... And in any stage of life you can't like tell people how to grieve how to right handle this right so so i don't want to put rules on on how we should react to this but i'm just expressing that i sometimes had some discomfort with what i saw online Mm -hmm. so yeah i think we should have a conversation about that another reaction that i saw that also made me uncomfortable was people were already stepping over this man who's not even in the ground yet, to mm. theorize what they're going to do about Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Well, it's got to be Shuri. No, use, use the stones to snap Killmonger back. It's like, can we have a weekend? Right. A week? He didn't even have a day. <laughs> you know, not even a day. Not even a day. Can we just have some time to grieve? It's not that urgent at all. Yeah, and I think even like culturally, like for those who aren't Black, maybe grieving for them is a little bit different. Because for us who are black, it's like losing a brother. Yeah. So for us, we we needed more time than like a few hours to grieve. You right. know, we needed like a day right. at least. At minimum, we needed a day. Right. So to just jump in and be like, oh, what's going to happen to Black Panther 2? And I'm like, that doesn't matter right now. My brother just died. That's how it feels. And movie's supposed to come out in two years. And that's getting pushed back because of the virus anyway. Like right. it's not that urgent right. at all right and even even if it was who cares exactly like we're in pain right now on the other notion of pain another reaction to the passing was some people were posting screen caps of non-black people being racist about his passing and it just added more negativity on top of the already depressing situation on top of the news about jacob blake of course mm-hmm. like why would you single this out to share instead of the sea of positive tributes. Mm-hmm. Like, so once I saw that, I definitely got off social media. Yeah. What, what is the utility of showing people in a grieving state more things to be in pain about? Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I, I found really disturbing, you know, with cultural events, sometimes we feel as if we are socially obligated to say something about it. You know, if you don't post positively about Black Lives Matter, it means that you're 
against them. Yeah. If you don't post about women's rights, you're against them. If you don't post about trans rights, you're against them. Mm-hmm. The Scarlet Witch, Elizabeth Olsen, got shamed to the point of deleting her IG account because people harassed her for not paying tribute to Chadwick Boseman like her other MCU co-stars. Yeah, I heard a lot of people got um, got shamed for like not processing the death that people in the way that the people want wanted them to. They wanted them to process wanted them to process the death publicly, but not everyone handles it that way. And right. they're like, "You're a celebrity. You should say something online." They don't have to. Yeah, are we socially obligated to say something every time a tragedy occurs? How many tragedies have people ignored exactly. that other people valued? I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, yeah. You know, I don't even know Hotep's, you know, trying to say I'm keeping for some white women here. But, <laughs> you know, t- to to put it another way, in our grief and anger, we can be inspired to and led to do some frivolous or harmful things in the name of a cause and Mm -hmm. going forward we should be more aware of the intent and consequences of our actions you know during these times and whether it is worth the finite amount of time energy and resources we have on this earth if there's one thing we can learn from Chadwick Boseman's legacy is using the time we have wisely and making a true impact Mm -hmm. what is what did harassing this white lady do for you what did do for our community for the culture I saw that, too, when I finally turned on social media again. Every time something like this happens, I usually just mute everything because it's good for my mental health. But when I turned that back on and I saw that, I was like, what is wrong with people? Let like let her live. Like just because she hadn't publicly said anything doesn't mean she hates Chadwick Boseman. It doesn't mean that she doesn't care about his death. Everybody who works with him processed the death differently michael b jordan uh is not processing it very very well so he also hasn't been on the radar lately either but like nobody's mad at him for you know not publicly processing it well he did he did he did say something but that was it after that you just hear that he's not doing well at all Mm. yeah yeah well i certainly grieve for his passing i was also inspired by his actions to to be the best man he could be despite what was literally attacking him from the inside to not waste your time and truly focus on your on your purpose and making a lasting impact somewhere to somebody as a teacher that's been my mission ever since I started and after this weekend that resolve is stronger than it has been in a long time I feel and so to Chadwick I have very deep gratitude Um, so no matter no matter how great you are life and health is fragile and not to be taken for granted. So I hope you all can take his legacy to heart in whatever you do out there. Yeah, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman. Speaking of future black legends, John Boyega had an interview with uh, GQ. Mm. And he finally aired out Star Wars. John Boyega has had some things to say recently. Are you a Star Wars fan? We never really talked so, about that. So, I am a Star Wars fan. Okay. Like, not only is my family into comics, they are also really obsessed with the Star Wars universe. Like, it's a big deal in my family. More than Star Trek. They're, like, not Trekkies at all. Even though they gave me the history. Sure. They were like, we have to make sure you can choose your side, but it has to be Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, definitely a big fan of that. So, um, however, I wasn't one of those fans that gets upset when, um, you know, a new director gets on or like, you know, things change and the story might alter a bit or things like that, because it's modern times. We all knew that when George Lewis decided that he wasn't going to write the scripts anymore, we all knew it was going to change. It's expected. Yeah. But so I'm not one of those fans that gets angry when change happens. I just try to understand it. How do you feel about John Boyega's uh, use in the Star Wars films? So. Okay. He should have been a Jedi. Of course. <laughs> I feel like it's like. I can't even think of the words to fa- to put together here for this because it's like I feel like John Boyega should have been used the way he was supposed to. It is clear that he should have been a Jedi from the first time that he was that he like appeared in Star Wars. You could tell this dude is like conditioned and he's like created to be a Jedi. But then he just what? <laughs> Yeah, and just, I mean, I've said on the show a few times, but just the way that he was marketed. Yes. And And he, you know, it's been said at length now, like, he was a big part of the, of the first trailer. Literally. He had the light, he had Luke's lightsaber in his hand. Um, so I want to read off some quotes that he said in this interview, because mm-hmm. he's finally getting it out, but he's trying to be diplomatic at the same time. Right, right. But he's still John John Boy again. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do his accent because I will feel m- miserably. Um, but here we go. It's so difficult to maneuver. You get yourself involved in projects, and you're not necessarily going to like everything. But what I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character, market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are, and then have them pushed to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up. Like you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley, you know what to do with Adam Driver. You knew what to do with these other people. But when it came to Kelly Marie Tran, when it came to John Boyega, you know fuck all. Mm-hmm. So what do you want me to say? What they want you to say is, I enjoyed being a part of it. It was a great experience. Nah, nah, nah. I'll take that deal when it is a great experience. They gave all the nuance to Adam Driver, all the nuance to Daisy Ridley. Let's be honest. Daisy knows this. Adam knows this. Everyone knows this. I'm not exposing anything. I think it's I think it's great that we're in an era where if this was like 10 years ago, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, his career would be done. Right, the second he spoke out against over. Disney. Yeah, against Disney the, against one the, of the, the biggest, mouse. Yeah, the mouse. Man, I like sometimes I just imagine the mouse just coming in ready to beat people up if uh-huh. you go against <laughs> like the cartoons that they have on uh South Park. Yeah, like South Park. <laughs> <laughs> you don't fucking talk to me like that. Uh-huh. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine that, but he had every right to say so, and I completely agree with him. Totally, because he was pushed aside. He was literally advertised as the main character, and then how are you gonna have him on? He was a janitor, <sighs> bruh. And like, do you remember D twenty three? So, um. You know how like you have oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. fandom and uh, sure. E3 and things like that. Yep. Disney has their own expo. Right, right, right. And I watch it too because, you know. but Because um, we're nerds. Yeah, right, sure. it's what we do. So he was literally on stage, marketed as the main character on the stage. Right. And I'm like, you have him there promoting a video game for Star Wars. 
if you're going to have him promoting all of these things, including the merchandise, mm. he should have had a big role. His role should have been much, much bigger. He should have become a Jedi. Exactly. I mean, a kidnapped child put into war, deserts, joins the resistance, is an amazing Jedi story. Amazing Jedi story. Better than I'm just, you know, plain lady on desert planet and now I'm like Come on, yeah. Emperor's granddaughter for some reason. Somehow like, yeah, we have relatives like uh, whack. Like John Boyega's story in in Star Wars was way better. It was such a good story, good, such a good background. A great springboard for something yeah. great. Absolutely. And then they just throw him away. Yeah. Well, he said he's been talking to a lot of people. Jordan Peele, I'm really hoping they work together on something. I am I would love that. Yeah. yeah. I would love that. So yeah, we're looking forward to great things. He just finished a movie with uh, Steve McQueen, the guy who did um, 12 Years a Slave. Mm -hmm. So that should be coming out maybe next year, I believe. I forgot forgot the name of the movie, but yeah. Let's move on to my review of New Mutants. Now, you haven't seen this movie, right? I have not seen the movie. I've only seen the trailers. Yeah, let's let's paint the scene. Because right, this has this this has some some history. So okay. you can spoil me. I still will watch the movie. There's really nothing to spoil, okay. really. <laughs> but let me let me paint the scene first about where we are with this movie. Okay. About five years ago, circa 2015, especially when Avengers Two wasn't universally praised. Mm-hmm. For the record, I do like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there was kind of murmurs of superhero fatigue. Mm. Um, what else can these movies do? Will the burb- will, uh, will the bubble burst like zombies in westerns? Mm-hmm. Remember, you know, zombies could run and transform their victims quickly, and then some movies they had gained some sentience, and mm. then they even gained the romance with mm-hmm. uh, warm bodies. Right, right. So Marvel was always trying to kind of change their formula, change their setting, and but people were starting to get a little bit tired. You know, Marvel had a near monopoly on critically and financially successful films for nearly a decade. DC kept falling on their face. Fox was limping along with Days of Future Past, finally giving them something to cheer about. And then Deadpool came and shook the game up. Mm -hmm. The next year, Logan blew everyone away. Both films had smaller budgets, and the studios gave more control to the directors and actors to really realize their visions. The same year that Logan came out, the trailer for New Mutants dropped about six months later. And... I was super excited for it. Yeah, it looked good. It it seemed like a legit superhero horror film mm-hmm. inside a asylum and hospital, no less. Right. This is something we had never seen before. And the movie was slated for an April 2018 release date, but then it got delayed due to reshoot plans and Disney, I want those mutants, <laughs> began the, the process of acquiring 20th Century Fox. Yep. Yep. Oh, so the movie was in studio limbo for a couple of years. So, you know, people were like, would it be canned outright? Uh, will it come to Disney Plus? You know, add in the pandemic, you know, no yeah. one had an answer. So finally, director Josh Boone finished the film March of this year without without the reshoots. And Disney finally released the film August 28th. All the hype and confusion surrounding this movie, where do I fall on it? Is it a low budget sleeper hit? like Deadpool and Logan, or is it utter trash like Apocalypse or Dark Phoenix? Honestly, uh, it's pretty much in the middle. Oh. Um, leaning towards the latter group, to be honest. Okay. It's essentially a breakfast club with superpowers Netflix film that they try to pass off as something worthy of a theatrical release. 
there's nothing in this film that deserves to be seen on the big screen. The the powers are B level. Mm. Like one lady can just turn into a wolf. Woo. That's it. Yeah. Um. um and the powers aren't used frequently enough or creatively enough for you to care until the last 15 minutes or so when you see that $67 million budget go to some use. I mean, look, Guardians of the Galaxy had a talking tree and they made him cool. Right. Um, a talking raccoon. I mean, if they can do that, you can work with this. Right. But they, they, it was very lazy. It was very lazy. Um, they don't commit to the horror vibe that they try to sell in the trailer at all. Mm. That trailer cut is nice, but in, in in the actual movie, it's it's pretty tame. It mm. gets very tame. Um, the story is middling, a very by-the-numbers narrative. The acting is the best part of this movie, but not enough to save it. Oh. Um, like I said, it's pretty much The Breakfast Club. Uh, Henry Zaga's Sunspot is the Emilio Estevez cool jock. Oh. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy is the pretty Molly Ringwald princess, but much darker mm-hmm. and racist. <laughs> <laughs> Maisie Williams uh, is the Ali Sheedy type, but okay. she certainly makes herself different from her. Um, Charlie Heaton, who was Jonathan Byers in Stranger Things, is mm, the regular right, right. guy who's friends with the jock. And the newest addition to the hospital is Daniel Moonstar, played by Blue Hunt. Uh, the overseer is Dr. Cecilia Reyes, who's played by Alice Braga Morai. Sorry, if I mispronounce that name, she's Brazilian. She was in City of God uh, mm. 20 years ago. Despite the mediocre script, everyone is fine. Nothing noteworthy, good or bad. Everyone plays to their type, but Arya Stark gets the most time, the main character, Danielle, to develop her character. And I think the relationship is cute. Okay. But that's really it. That's the review, really. I mean, the, the twists are very predictable and uninteresting. The climax is uninspired. Um, Josh Boone pitched this as a potential trilogy, and the ending does allow for a where do they go next kind of thing, but I don't I don't care. Right. Um, for all the hype and rumors this movie had, it's a very average like mm. three out of five movie for me. Like, and, it's, and this is the thing, Dark Phoenix. Have you seen that movie? Yes. For me, it was so bad I could laugh at it. Right. Whereas, I watched this movie and I felt nothing the entire time. So which is worse? Yeah, that's worse. Yeah. That, those are the type of movies that like I'll get like halfway through it and I realize that I'm feeling nothing and then I just back out of watching the movie. Yeah, like it's competently made, but I it, it I didn't feel anything. Oh, yeah, that It was like eating a slice of white bread. Like Aww. like you put the flour and the eggs and whatever in and here to make, make this. Bread. It's there, right. but when I put it in my mouth, I... There's no butter. I feel nothing. Yeah, yeah, there's no butter. Yeah. No garlic, no nothing. Right. This film made $10 million worldwide Ooh. this past weekend, so it's a big bomb. They had a lot of money for the movie, but it didn't do well at all. Yeah. They did, it's like they didn't make that money back. Not at all. Not at all. You're supposed to make two and a half times your budget to be considered a success. Exactly. Exactly. They probably won't even reach $30 million for Ooh, this. Yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, it hasn't released in America yet. It releases... No, it did release in America. Oh. I'm tripping. It hasn't released in Korea. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, trivia. Do you know what the highest grossing movie of 2020 is so far? Hint, it's a black movie. Audience, take your time. Bad Boys 3. Oh, snap. Yeah. Before we move on, I should note the status that went viral by New Mutants co-director Bob McCloud. Mm-hmm. Not the co-creator for the movie but the actual comic itself and 
I just want to read it really quick because I thought it was very important here. Have you have you read it or heard about it? I have not read it yet. Okay, this is good. Okay. I was very excited when I heard they were making a new Mutants movie. I thought making it into a horror film was perhaps an interesting idea, but not at all how the characters should be introduced to the public at large. But hey, my character's in a movie. I never would have thought that would actually happen. But then I was disappointed when they didn't give Danny braids. Although I like Blue Hunt, I was disappointed when Rain wasn't a redhead with spiky hair, although I adore Maisie Williams. I was disappointed that Sam isn't tall and gawky, although I do like Charlie Heaton. But mainly, I was very disappointed that Roberto isn't short and dark-skinned. Yet another example of Hollywood whitewashing. Mm. There's just no excuse. Mm -hmm. So basically, hashtag Josh Boone erased everything I contributed to the way the characters looked. And now the movie has come out at last, and apparently they've credited someone named Bob MacCloud as co-director. They couldn't even be bothered to check the spelling of my name sometime in the last three years. And that can't be fixed. That will be on the movie forever. I think I'm done with this movie. Oof. Oh my God, that hurts. Oof. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah. I felt that. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's... T- oh, man. When you can't even, like, spell someone's name right on the credits. What does that say about... It's like, you know, the... um, Was it the ACDC? They won't perform unless you, what, take out all the M- yeah, M- M&Ms yeah. or whatever. It's like, if you can't even do that, what does that say about the movie itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. The lack of care. Yeah. <laughs> the lack of care. So, yeah, if, please, do not waste your time to go see this movie in theater. Okay. It's not worth your time. All right. Anyway, let's move on to DC, DC's fandom event. We're going to talk about the trailers that we saw. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with Wonder Woman. Oh, okay, yeah. What were your thoughts on Wonder Woman? So, the trailer looked really, really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I was really into it, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, my God, it's Cheetah. This is what she looks like. Wow. You know, mm-hmm. so like I, and I know when I did my Easter egg hunt to make sure that I caught everything in the in the movie, mm-hmm. um, everyone was excited about how Cheetah was supposed to look. So everyone said it looked really, really good. But um, there was also worries about the movie. They were like, oh, it's D.C. What if the trailer's really good, but the movie comes out really terrible? Everyone seems to be worried that uh, Diane is not going to be represented the way she should be. But the trailer looks great. It looks really, really good. I don't know how I don't know how it's gonna come out, but it's like we have to wait and see. Yeah, I I want this to be good. I really do because it looks so good in the trailer. I don't, I, w- I would say all that. I Mel and I have touched on this before. Okay, we en- overall enjoy the portrayal of Diane herself. Yes, and how she views herself in the world. Right. But the first Wonder Woman was very long and to me a little, little boring. Um, I didn't enjoy that Wonder Woman who is pretty much on par with Superman, her big fight scene for the trailer and in the movie itself was mm-hmm. just fighting regular dudes, mm-hmm. especially after she handled Doomsday so well compared mm. compared to Superman and Batman and BVS. Mm-hmm. In this new trailer, she's still fighting regular dudes. Yeah, that's the one thing that does bother me. It's like she has all this power, all this energy going on, and she's fighting regular dudes. Yeah. Like, why can't they put her with more people that are her level yeah the man of steel trailer didn't have him just fighting security guards he was fighting zod exactly like 
his level of hero. I mean, luckily we see her have some action against Cheetah, and that was a really cool scene where they jumped at each other, and she like yeah. slammed Cheetah on the ground. That was really cool. But honestly, I don't like how she looks. She looks like the last year's Cats uh, characters <laughs> who was like dunked in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ooze. I just, I couldn't get with it. And the infight is in the dark. The first Wonder Woman film was also in the dark. Right. And I'm just tired of that color palette. Like, in the trailer, there are some really bright parts. Like, the mascara is always represented as a bright place, but Mansfield is always dark. But even when she was running around in regular cities, it was bright at that time. But when she fights Cheetah, it's super dark. Yeah. I mean, you you can't even see Cheetah's colors. Mm -hmm. She's just gray. Right. In that trailer. Right. So, yeah, I mean, DC doesn't have a great track record, so I'm not optimistic. Right. The other thing that I did like was her different ways of traversal. Swinging on the lightning looks awesome. She seems to hitch a ride on the invisible invisible jet. And then, given what's come out with superhero films lately, it just feels so white to me. I wrote that down because I agree. (laughs) I was like, here we go again with nothing but white people. Wow. Yeah. I was like, have we not learned anything? I mean, I mean, I don't want to be like, it, you know, you know, Wonder Woman is a right. white like, feminist you, character. You don't want to have to have a token. Right. You know, you don't want to have a token uh, non-white person. But at the same time, not every character written in the comics were white, you yeah. know. So, like, not every character should be whitewashed. I'm wondering if sometime in the future somebody's going to um, represent Wonder Woman's sister, you know, the opposite of her. Nubia? Yeah. Like, I wonder if somebody is ever going to pick up that story because I felt like that's really interesting. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That would be really awesome. Totally. But these days it just seems like they wouldn't even think to pick up Nubia. Right. Let's move on to the Justice League Snyder cut. I will never forget the incredible headline by Josh Dickey at Mashable titled Justice League is like a chocolate chip cookie with cockroach chunks. His review. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. It had such bars like if a dog ate a box of neon crayons and puked on a casino hotel hallway carpet, you'd have the color palette of this movie. Creative. Like, this bars. Creative mic drop. Like, look this up. My man went in on this movie, and who could blame him? Just League was aggressively mediocre. Yeah. Like, every, I, I I, don't know anyone that was excited. I don't know anyone that thought it was a good movie. I think there are people who were excited. Right. And but, they were like, finally, they're going to show Marvel up. Yeah, and then, yeah. And then disappointment. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. yeah. But WB looks to redeem itself by mm. finally letting uh, Zack Snyder produce his entire vision for this movie. The Snyder Cut is estimated to be over three hours and a half long. Yeah. It seems to promise scenes that were teased in the original trailers but got left out, like the black Superman suit, Barry Allen jumping through the window Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it was breaking and saving people, Um, Victor Stone scenes that got left out, like he stopped that tank in front of that police officer and him playing football. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch the extended version of BVS? Yeah. And it, it, it definitely made the movie better. It definitely did. Because without that extended version, I you were left kind of like high and dry with yeah. BVS. Yeah. Watchmen was the same. Yeah. I am interested in seeing this for sure. I'm not sure whether it'll make this 
a rewatchable film mm-hmm. as opposed to scenes I can just revisit on YouTube maybe though. Right. Steppenwolf is still not a villain worthy of the Justice League like Darkseid is. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, he is the first thing you see in the trailer. Mm-hmm. But, eh. I mean, the effects to me look undercooked. I don't know what, what you thought. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I noticed that like my eyes kind of just like went away from the screen several times. So mm. then I had to rewatch it because I'm like, I literally just looked away and started eating my ramen. And then I was like, oh, wait, look, I got to I gotta pay attention. So I had to right. look back and then rewind the entire thing. But one thing I did hear is that they are thinking of putting it on HBO Max and separating it into four parts because right. it's supposed to be more than three hours long. Right. Um, I don't know if HBO Max is the greatest choice. Where would you put it? But I mean, exactly. There's yeah. nowhere else to put it. Yeah. Who's going to go to theater for that now? Nobody. No. No. Not for something that long. The last time I think people sat in theaters for something that long was Titanic. Or Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Barry still runs hilariously awkward. I think it's funny the first time the chorus sings Hallelujah in the trailer is when Jason Momoa takes his shirt off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, like, what? what is this, bro? <laughs> like, like the the trailer wasn't concise. Like, it didn't go together. Yeah, it was weird. It was so strange. It's like they, they were like, oh, let's make sure we have new scenes. Just drop them here. Put them together. But they didn't actually make a story out of the scenes. Right. Exactly. Like I said, it's just kind of vignettes for YouTube. Right, right, right. Anyway, speaking of Justice League, Suicide Squad is getting the attention of Rocksteady, who made the Arkham games, and this new game is coming out in 2022. Mm -hmm. This has an interesting premise. Apparently, Brainiac has taken over the Justice League, and it's up to Harley, Deadshot, King Shark, and Captain Boomerang to stop them, possibly kill them. And given the disparity in power between the Justice League and the Suicide Squad, this seems impossible. But it seems fun. Yeah. What what character are you are you most interested in in trying out? That's the thing, because it's it because it's Suicide Squad. Um, I know, like my my perception of Suicide Squad wasn't originally great. No. So I'm just like at this point, I'm just gonna pick any character. And see if I like it. Because sometimes for me, if I'm not exactly sure how I feel about which character I'm excited to play, I just mm-hmm. pick and try all of them. Sure, sure. And then I find my favorite, and that's who I go with. That's how I usually play games when I'm not sure, sure. especially with Suicide Squad and the story and everything. But, I mean, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. Like, 100%. Especially yeah. since it's written by the same person who wrote the Arkham games. I'm not, like, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, going to buy sure, it. Sure, yeah. I like that... Um, Harley has the grappling hook like Batman. Yes. Uh, Deadshot has the jetpack, and that seems fun to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Shark is like the Hulk with with the minigun. Right. Uh, but I really like, uh, I, it seems like Captain Boomerang's teleportation seems to be the most fun. Like, he throws it, and then he can kind of zip through that. Trage- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it pretty cool. But yeah, let's move on to, uh, speaking of Just League uh, being in trouble, Bruce Wayne has apparently died in this new Gotham Knights game. Yep. And it's up to the three Robins and Batgirl to keep Gotham safe. Yep. As well as find Batman's murderers and uncover a larger conspiracy as teased with the Court of Owls. Yeah. So you say you're, you're not really a DC person. Right. Not really a DC person, more Marvel person. Um, I do, I am familiar with the other Batmans. And I'm the, familiar the with the Robins okay, as well. Okay. And I'm also, I'm just, I'm familiar with the Batman part 
of DC. Mm-hmm. Like, at least if anything I had to be familiar with, it had to be the Batman part of DC. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Um, I'm definitely interested in playing this game. Yeah. That I'm, trailer was long, so. It was nice, yeah. <laughs> it, was it was such a good cool. trailer. Did you watch the gameplay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actual, yeah. Yeah, this seems to be in the vein of the past Arkham games, and even though it isn't being developed by Rocksteady, mm-hmm. I like the twist that you can choose between the four characters and they have unique fighting styles. Yeah. Tim Drake has hacked the Justice League Watchtower. He can teleport short distances. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also two-player co-op. Yeah, I'm very interested in two-player co-op. For sure. Very, very interested in that. So now that you're a little more familiar with these characters, who are you most interested in playing as? Well, because I'm a sellout. I'm just kidding. I'm not a sellout. I am most interested in playing Nightwing. Nightwing has always been my favorite Robin. I Maybe it's because I was such a Teen Titans fan. And then like, mm. yeah, Nightwing has always been my favorite. So I'm definitely going to just jump right into Nightwing. You know, I usually play as women. So like Batgirl is cool to me, but... I think her moves are more similar to traditional Batman stuff. Yes. So I'm actually interested in Jason Todd's gun Fu. That's true, yeah. Um, and of course, I like Kali. I talked about it with Black Panther. I like the Kali sticks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of Nightwing. So right, right, I, I right. want to play as him too. Yeah, that's why, sure. I, that's why I want to do Nightwing. Yeah. Because of the Kali sticks. <laughs> in this universe, Gordon has died too. Yeah. But do you think Batman's really dead? I mean, if you really think about it, whenever there's a whole thing about Batman being dead, there's always that air of Batman isn't really dead. He's just perceived to be dead. Right. So that's kind of like what I'm thinking. It's just a perception that maybe Batman is just somewhere else. Maybe Batman is taking a break. Because Batman, if you really notice, he has this bout of like depression where he just like disappears for a minute because he's depressed. Mm. So like in my in my mind, I'm feeling like Batman isn't really dead. Like Batman is like <laughs> just that entity that just drops off sometimes, I feel like. That's kind of like I guess the feeling that you always get when it comes to Batman. I think it's I think he just got kidnapped and brainwashed by the the Court of Owls. I they kind of teased a kind of assassin like person mm-hmm. at the end of the trailer. I just think that's it's just him. And that makes sense. When yeah. it comes to Batman, that makes sense. He has a tendency you know, for things like that to happen yeah. to him. Like, uh, the did you, did you play Arkham Knight? Yes, I did. So, you know, Jason Todd got, you know, he, he was that guy. So I think it'll, it'll be the big twist. Right, know? right. They're going to be like, oh, my God. Yeah, right. It's Batman. I can't kill him. He's he's my mentor. He's, he's, he's my father, you know. And then everyone's like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Batman is dead. Long live the Batman. So let's go on to that movie trailer. Ooh, yes. Yeah, we have some thoughts. I have some thoughts about this movie. Yes, um, yes, yes. It's already been said on the internet, but y'all owe Robert Pat- Patterson. Pattinson? Patterson? Pat- Patterson. Patterson. Yeah. Pattinson? I actually messed this up on my Tenet uh, I review. I wrote, I, it, I, I wrote this down up. his name because I always mess it up. Robert Pattinson. No, yeah, Patterson. Patterson. Okay. Y'all owe this boy an apology. He looks great. He does. I'm not in love with his look as Bruce Wayne yet. Like he kind of looks like the penguin from the Gotham TV show. <laughs> I was thinking that too. He looked a little penguin-like. Yeah, I'm like oh, I don't know about that, but that suit with the blacked-out eyes is dope. Zoe Kravitz looks dope as Catwoman. Right. I like the more acrobatic take on her fighting mm-hmm. style compared to the previous incarnations. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Wright looks cool as Gordon. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see Colin Farrell as the penguin. Right. Like I was like, oh man. 
everyone looks so good yeah they they really transformed him yeah you can't see him at all you can't like i didn't even know there was him i had to look and be like is that him for real yeah they did a good job sure and you know we finally see batman in this brutal style we've wanted from the comic books and video games but hot take do we need this in the era of stronger pushes for criminal justice reform yeah i thought about that too when i watched it i was like oh man this is like the timing of this trailer coming out when we are when we have been protesting and pushing and pushing and pushing for you know criminal justice reform i don't think maybe this might not be the right time it's like you're over there like 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 stop it bro cut cut it like cut it cut it cut it you know yeah we see you see these videos of constantly about brutality but when this man dresses a bat breaks a man's arm punches him seven times to the ground and then punches him while on the ground full force two more times in full armor we're like yeah it's dope those hits on the ground could produce permanent damage for that person yeah um there were gang members filming the fight with their smartphones and they looked like they were teenagers like imagine if they were filming up a cop doing that yeah what if some of them are black or racially marginalized people are they off limits in this movie like do we do we unconsciously excuse the violence so far because a white man is beating another white man? Because if he was black and we saw Batman do that to that guy, how how would we feel about that? Exactly, exactly. You know, race and everything, you know, class does matter. It's still a rich white dude going into the hood to violently get his anger out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Batman is still part of a systemic problem punching down at the little guy. His sense of justice is conservative. He mm-hmm. is really a fascist. Mm-hmm. He himself is a cop. He works with and shares info with the cops. Mm-hmm. Then he trusts our current judicial system to handle the criminals. He excessively brutalizes when he captures them. Mm-hmm. How can y'all be mad at Kamala Harris for her past and present, calling her a cop, and then not come for Batman that way? Right, right. He worse. Yeah, Batman is crazy. So yeah, um, this movie is written and directed by Matt Reeves, who directed the recent Planet of the Apes sequels Mm -hmm. and co-wrote the final film. So I have faith that this will do well with character. Mm -hmm. And I hope they dig into Bruce Wayne's psyche about why he does this and maybe even questions himself, but I'm not holding his breath. I'm not not holding my breath. Right. Yeah. Um, You saw Bad Boys 3, right? Yeah. So... The brutality in this trailer was unsettling for me, and it reminded me of that movie I've said it on the show before when Mike Lowry kicks in the door and like threatens to kill this guy who's on drugs. And it's like, why do we celebrate these kind of characters as heroes now? Right. Like, I like Batman, but as we move forward culturally um, yeah. and socio politically, I just want new heroes to speak yeah. to our times, you know? Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you in this day and age. Like, Batman is great, but right now... Yeah, not right now. They, they, we can wait. We can yeah. wait for another, re-indi- for another rendition of Batman. We can wait. Yeah. We have all the time in the world to produce another Batman movie. We can wait a little bit. You know, let us fight our fight on our own instead of making us feel more crazy, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah, it's like on one hand you have Joker who's using violence to punch up at the big guys mm-hmm. in his movie. And now you have Batman punching down at the little guy 
Like who's who's the real villain? Right. I mean, that violence was excessive. That was brutal. Yeah. And it's like, who are you? Pop, 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 pop. I am vengeance. I'm like, bro, this is, this is, you're like, this, you're crazy. Like, I'm not on board with you now. Yeah, like, I saw that and I was like, okay, I know Batman is considered more of like a vigilante. Mm-hmm. But this is like, this is another level. Yeah. That like, I wasn't prepared for. It's almost like Rorschach parody. Yeah. Of like, Rorschach was a parody of Batman. Like, he's too much. Mm-hmm. This is like Rorschach territory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, dude, these are kids. These are like teenagers. Like, you could open the Bruce Wayne, you know, community center and help these kids find jobs. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But no, you're going to go to their hood and just beat them up? Like, what? Come on, man. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to see it as Batman, but I definitely look at him very differently now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to... Lovecraft Country. Okay. So this is the newest black-centered HBO show based on the novel by Matt Ruff. It's produced by Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw Productions and J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Productions, with both men serving as executive producers. The television adaptation was developed by Misha Green, a black woman, and it follows a few black people in the segregated South and North, really, after the Korean War. And they get into some supernatural encounters have you seen watchmen yet i have okay yeah great yeah i um i think it would be a mistake to directly compare this to watchmen Mm. um we came into Watchmen with different expectations it was a it was the untouchable property you know Mm -hmm. how could they do a sequel off that you know but, but every episode answered some questions and then it made you ask more, like, yeah, like a Hydra. Yeah, you right, know? right. But I think it was a remarkable achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, have you read this book, Lovecraft Country? I actually haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. I read other books that were related to some of the episodes mm-hmm. um, that you know that we've seen so far in this TV show, but I haven't read the books. Okay. Yeah. I usually stay away from horror-type things because I don't sleep at night after I do after I read or watch horror, but I was like, I really have to watch this show. Like, I feel like it's important. So how's it, how's it been for you? Could you sleep after? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it was that bad? No, it wasn't that bad. It's just that sometimes I, like, I, I over-imagine sure. you know, things. I'm just like, oh, my God. You Monsters. know, Mel's also a writer on the show, and she also can't really watch horror either it's, it's a thing about writers like our imagination is really 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 large yeah writers and artists like mm-hmm. our imagination is huge like we can visually see everything as if they're real mm-hmm. so like when we watch horror movies oh oh no did <laughs> it's you rough. how about us i watched it with my friends me and my friends we called each other on the phone because none of us could sleep. Really? It was great. Wow. It was that bad. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't sleep. Like the story itself wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. It's just that our imagination sure. is scarier than the story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's scarier than the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, I uh I haven't read the book either. Uh I think sometimes it's great to see what you've read get materialized on the screen. But I think sometimes it's fun just to enjoy the ride and go where it takes you. With Watchmen, we read the book and watched the movie, but it was an entirely new story for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, a really powerful cultural moment for us. And so, you know, does 
do we think Lovecraft has, does Lovecraft have what it takes to carry that torch? So far, um, what do you think about it so far? So far, I think it's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like the first episode, hooked. Same. Really, really good. Second episode, I was like, okay, this is a lot. (laughs) What's going on? I have to unpack this. Right. Third episode, they brought it back. Also really good. Like, so I feel like it has potential to be a really, really good series. Yeah. Um, I think they just have to be careful with pacing. Totally. Yeah. Don't compare this to Watchmen. You know, Watchmen, every episode was, it. the pacing was excellent. Mm-hmm. They always kept you curious and guessing. Right. I think the first episode did that for me. Right. Like, where is, where is the father? Oh, sorry. Full spoilers here. So just check Spoiler. out Spoiler. Yeah. So his father is missing. You go down. He goes to find them, and then you encounter these monsters, and then they, you get saved mysteriously. You go to you might you you find your way to this mansion. Okay, where is this going? Right. It did seem like episode two answered almost everything. All that. It felt like it answered literally everything. Yeah, it just killed the momentum. Yeah. And then episode three was almost a standalone. Right. And it was great. It just that it was also completely separate. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, what is this story really? Because mm-hmm. Watchmen, all of it was important mm-hmm. to the overall narrative all the time. Right. So yeah, let's start with the first episode. Okay. <laughs> um, which I still think is arguably the best so far. I agree. Uh, we're introduced to the main characters, Atticus or Tick, played by Jonathan Majors, um, Uncle George, played by Courtney B. Vance, and Letty Letitia, played by Black Canary herself, journey smollett 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 i forgot how to pronounce her name smollett smollett i I forgot too we're sorry it's okay um it's not okay i actually (laughs) anyway i i really like the opening scene this first episode oh man that was so good yeah there's a slight comparison to Watchmen here you know we start off with this heroic battle Mm -hmm. with tick during the korean war in black and white Mm -hmm. and this is probably a very real core memory of his Mm -hmm. and then his imagination represented by color starts to mix in in the background, there are clips. Um, do you know what those clips are from? Um, I wrote it down because I knew I would forget. Chadwick Boseman, hint. The Jackie Robinson Jackie story Robinson, yes. from 1950. Right. Yeah, and you know, they're like, where are you going, black boy? Where are the book of me? Yeah, community? yeah. And then Jackie himself comes to save Tick and his alien friend. And I think this alien woman is representing the woman he probably left behind after the war. I was thinking that too, that that was her. And on the phone, right? Right. That that phone call was that haunting. That phone call, ooh. And like us living in Korea, Yeah. we felt that phone call. Yeah. We really did. When he got up in there, she was like, yo, what's up? We were like, oh. Right. And it's, it's haunting of like, you left. Right. You shouldn't have. Right. And I wonder like. When she said that, I was like, ooh. Yeah, like, what does that mean? Yeah, are the kids there or like, does does he have a whole family we don't know what's about? The life like, what's going right? on? What did he leave behind? Right, yeah. he was really freaking out. Mm-hmm. But it begs the question too: Was that really her? Was that in his head at the same time? Like, I don't know. Right, because the first scene of the the whole episode is him being a dreamer, remembering things, yeah, and yeah. having a dream, yeah. 
So yeah, I like the inverse of reality and fantasy and the dream and the mm-hmm. real world here. So in Tick's dream, he started with the reality of war and then fantasy took him by surprise. Mm-hmm. And when he wakes up in the real world, he flicks off Jim Crow as if his segregation woes are behind him. Yeah. He, but he sits at the back of the bus and this is the fantasy believing that racism is over for him. Right. And then when, when the bus breaks down, he has to walk to Chicago mm-hmm. because he's not allowed in the truck that picks up the white passengers. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that uh, Tick is buff, but he's also a nerd. I love that. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, you know, he's reading The Princess of Mars. You don't have to look like Steve Urkel to read that stuff. Right. But it's hinted that Tick was kind of a Steve Urkel type before mm-hmm. he joined the army. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the same with women, this whole nerd thing. Uh, his cousin is an, inspire, uh, is an aspiring comic book artist. Right. I really like that. It was really heartwarming to see her family encourage that. Yeah, that was really nice because like most families, especially around that time, that's not something that they would encourage because they feel like it's not going to bring money. It's not going to bring clout to the family name. Won't bring you a husband. Exactly. You know, you need to focus on learning how to cook. Or, right. You know, cook and clean. Mend the dresses right. or something. Right. Make yeah. sure you can take care of a baby. Right. Yeah. No, that was, I thought it was awesome. That was mm-hmm. really cool. Because even the wife wants to get out of the house and... Uh, do what her husband's doing. Right, yeah, she wanted to go too. She wanted to travel too. Well, she like writes his stuff, right? right? Yeah, and I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Such a cool family. Totally. I mean, I hope now that Uncle George is done, she can kind of get more time. Right, I think she needs more screen time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I really like Jonathan Majors. Yeah, me too. Maybe for different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> for slightly different reasons. I mean, you know, good acting too. Sure. <laughs> he reminds me of my grandfather. Mm. You know, who you know how he could have been in his prime. That wholesome black Captain America yeah. vibe with the nerdy twist. My yeah. my grandfather read comic books too. I think he he really pulls that off really well. Like this, this black Isaiah Washington kind of vibe. I like Tick returning home and meeting his past bullies. Yeah, that was great. And, you know, he's, like, checking them, like, hey, man, you remember me? It's Tree, right? Yeah, I know you are. I love that. Like, the way he shut them down, I was like, yes, do it. Because I would love to do that. Totally. I would love to go back and be like, yeah, I know who you are. And? Right. Like, you're not important. And then he just walked by. I was right. like, yes. Well, not only walked by, like, he he shut him down and just kind of made him just say yeah. the information. I just think Majors, I think more than any other character on the show, he's just so good at facial expression. Mm-hmm. Like, you could see the history and his anger in his face without a word being said. Yeah, and, like, again, with spoiler alerts, but, like, when George dies, and we're talking about the facial expressions. Oh, yeah, he was fantastic. Oh, my God. Outstanding. When he was, like, I cried. I cried. Did you? I did. I cry, okay? I oh, it's cried. okay. I cried, too. I, I thought his acting was awesome. Mm-hmm. I thought just how sudden the death was. It it took me by surprise. Yeah. It really did. It just didn't... Some surprise deaths can move you. It didn't hit me like that. Yeah. But his acting was, was like, stellar. Like, I cried. I think, like, it was delayed mm-hmm. because it was so sudden. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at his... Like, looking at him process as a character. And, like, I'm also processing as a watcher. Mm-hmm. And then he breaks down. And after he's finished breaking down, then I cry. Yeah. It's kind of like... It was like a delayed time. And I'm seeing him process as well. Right. So he did a good job expressing excellent. that. One of the acting high points of the show so far, for for sure. I agree, yeah. 
Uh, I really like Letty and I'm going to butcher this name. Wanmi Mosaku as Ruby, her half sister. Yeah. It is weird seeing them like, you're really half sisters? Okay, I'll I'll buy it because they're just good, but mm-hmm. they look nothing alike. Nothing, yeah. Um, Ruby just has the has those looks. She's the queen of looks. Mm-hmm. I wish she had more time. I do too. I loved her. She's she's so cool. The second she popped up on the screen, I was like, I love her. Yeah, she's singing like she was so. She just had so much charisma behind the yeah. mic. Yeah. And then when she told Letty, "You got two nights," and I she, like, she gave that look. Yeah. I felt that. I felt that. Yeah, she's awesome. What turns me off about this show right now, though? Okay. I don't know how you felt about it. Um, it's the incorporation of modern music. Mm, yeah, that. Um, so it didn't turn me off, but it did surprise me. Like, kind of like it was like not like oh wow, but like more of like unexpected. Mm. Like with the setting and everything, I expected them to keep the music from that setting. There's so much to mine from. Right. I didn't expect them to just drop in. Um, modern, Tear away. Yeah. Right. I wasn't. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. Like. I didn't complain because it didn't disrupt from the story. Mm-hmm. But, of course, I kind of like was like, what? For a second, you know? Yeah. For a second, I was like, what's... Really? Yeah. And then, all right, back into the show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Watchmen in the first episode, after the, the Tulsa massacre, they played some, some trap beat, but it was in the present day. Mm-hmm. So it made sense. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing trap beats in the 1950s while kids are playing at the park, in your narrative, uh, it, it's kind of a little, it's a little, it's a little weird. It's jarring, yeah, for sure. I I did like hearing James Baldwin though, because he was alive during that time. Yeah, um, over the scene where Tick was teased by white people for eating the banana. Oh my god, yeah, that's real shit, guys. Um, yeah, they yeah they do stuff like that here. I mean, even for as in Korea, you know, I've been here for thirteen years, and my students have called me a monkey or a gorilla, you know on some of the first days of school. It doesn't happen that much anymore, but mm-hmm. I remember when I first got here, it was like that. And that's before they even saw me eating a banana. But once they've, you know, a couple of times they've seen me eat bananas at school because I like bananas, mm-hmm. like fruit. Um, and yeah, they tease me for that. So I had to address that. Mm. Even now, I still have anxiety about buying bananas at my local supermarket. You know, yeah. if my bag is too full, I'll take something out and put the bananas in so I don't walk back to my apartment with them in my hands. So that that hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a scene of There's No Way Like the American Way with the the white family in the car. Right. Juxtaposed with the black people waiting in line in the heat. Mm Mm-hmm. I thought there was really great imagery in the first episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to get down. I want to get to the the sundown towns. Oh, yeah. Because you have some experience about that. But um, this episode really just demonstrated how scary mundane activities can be for black people right like just sitting down at a restaurant at a restaurant can be completely terrifying you can't take a break on the road and pee on a pee by a tree right you really can't yeah um jamie harris was the cop and he played it so well oh man he did a really good job oh my god that was terrifying yeah oh that was so terrifying yeah he was sadistic behind that sadistic smile. Yeah, he was, like, like, he, he just wanted to kill these people. It's like, it's like that's how racism is in the South. Mm-hmm. Like that, that malice behind that Southern hospitality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that chase scene was very tense. That was probably the scariest part of the. Of so, the like, yeah, like for me, 
I didn't sleep because it wasn't because of the monsters that I didn't sleep. It was because of scenes like that. Wow. Those were the things that kept me up at night. And where are you from again? I'm from Mississippi, so Oof. like <laughs> Talk about deep it. south. So um, sundown towns still exist. That's the one thing that you need to know. They still exist. Now, are they at, now? Are there as many? Absolutely not. There aren't as many, especially with modern times and things like that. There, a lot of them are gone, but there are still some towns. Like if you go on Google and say, "Hey, what are the sundown towns in uh, in this state?" They will appear. Wow. Yeah. They will still pop up as this is a sundown town. This wow. is a sundown town. Or this used to be a sundown town. It still pops up on Google. Like it like it's crazy how in modern times this is something that you can find on Google. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. And like for me, growing up in Mississippi, I wasn't actually born there. I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I lived in Detroit for nine years. So in Detroit, I didn't really feel racism or anything like that. Because I was an eight mile. I mean, like, you know, everybody in eight mile is poor. It's eight mile. Right. You know, it's the land of Eminem. That's all they care about. Murals of Eminem everywhere. And then I moved to Mississippi and it's completely different. You have that hospitality that you were talking about where they smile in your face, but behind, you know, behind the mask of the smile is a completely different person, a completely different persona. And it's honestly really terrifying. I think I cried a lot when I first moved and my mom was trying to find a different life and everything. She moved for Jesus because there was a church that she was trying to help out. We've talked about it since then as adults, but (laughs) that was, um, it was a lot. Um, so I didn't know about sundown towns for a long time because, um, my mom had kind of like kept that from me. Mm -hmm. Um, she knew they existed, but because she wasn't a Mississippi native herself, she was a Detroit native, she didn't know exactly where they were. But a lot of our family members uh, had come from the South, Alabama, Georgia, things like that. So, yeah, they somehow all migrated up to Detroit after slavery. It's crazy. But um, did, did you ever drive through one of them, like, during the daytime? Um, I, I most likely have. Um, I, so the biggest memory that I have when it comes to sundown towns is like back in university, mm-hmm. because that was when I actually found out what a sundown town actually was. Mm-hmm. I just knew as a child, don't go this way. Don't go that way. Um, don't go near here. If you're with your friends and things like that, that's all I knew. But my mom made sure that I didn't go anywhere. Like <laughs> she was so worried that I would run into something like that, sure. that she was, that she sheltered me. Yeah. But as soon as I got to college, I was like, I don't want to be sheltered. I want to travel everywhere. I didn't even think about why my mom was like so careful with me in a place like Mississippi. So um, I had, a, I had like my first boyfriend in college. We were riding through going to I think he was dropping me off at uh, my home uh, during we have this thing called fall break it's just like four days off sure it's a it's a Mississippi thing okay so we have this thing called fall break in October kind of like Chuseok in a way okay but for those who don't know Chuseok is Korean Thanksgiving right. Korean Thanksgiving which but, is like not right. a day it's like a few <laughs> right. a few days honestly fall break is like football Thanksgiving like okay. honestly because it's just another football game mm-hmm. um for some reason you get four days off for the for you to watch football but um cool 
the South loves football. It's insane. But we're going through, going towards uh, his town. He decides, oh, I'm going to take a back road. Here's the thing. Never take a back road in the South at night or even in the daytime as a black person. Don't do it. There was a city I had never heard of that we had driven through, and it was terrifying. I'm seeing, like, pickup trucks and trailers and, like, white people standing outside just staring as we're driving by. Nobody did anything. We got out. But that was something that I had blocked out of my memory for a while. Because that was terrifying. He was like, oh, we're going to go through here because I think this will be a good way so that we can get back home faster. Honestly, the fastest way to get home in Mississippi is to just take that one road. It's super long Mm -hmm. all the way into Flowood. Boom, you're you're back in the main part of Mississippi. Mm. Easy. It's just farms that you're passing through. It's a highway. You're not seeing any any cities, no back roads, no nothing. But he wanted to take back roads. I was terrified. I bet. Yeah. That's that's crazy. It was terrifying. And then like that wasn't the first time I had gone through a back road. I think Mississippi is bad too, but Alabama back roads are also just as bad. Um, I had another ex-boyfriend of mine, my previous ex-boyfriend, and he's a white dude. So he doesn't understand why I would be so terrified to go through a, to a back road. So in Mississippi, we're driving. He's, his family lives in Alabama. So we were driving towards Alabama, and he only likes to take back roads because he likes the scenic route. Hmm. Not even thinking that his girlfriend was a black woman. He was just like, I'm going to take the scenic route. So... We go through the back roads. He usually does it during the day because he knows the dark terrifies me. Not because of the dark, but because of, you know, where we were. Nice guy. Nice guy. <laughs> X for a reason. <laughs> yes. So one day um, we leave late and he's like, okay, I'm going to drive as fast as possible so that we can get to uh, my parents' house before, you know, sunset. Car breaks down. Oh, no. Bruh. In the middle of one of those neighborhoods that you do not want to be in. Listen, the panic that I felt. I was like, I'm going to die tonight. Wow. He's going to survive. This is my last night on earth. I'm just going to accept it. I mean, luckily, his uncle had showed up just in time (laughs) because his uncle was also on the way back from his parents' house. So, Oh, man. Oh, that's wild. Whew. So they still exist. Um, they're not everywhere. You can Google it. You can find a list of sundown towns that probably still exist. They're mm-hmm. still there. Um, they don't do as much, especially with social media being out there. So if something happens, boom, it's up there 90% of the time. But Be careful. You, you have to, especially in the deep south, like Mississippi and Alabama. Yeah. Um yeah, let's get back. So finishing that episode, you know, we got that the big payoff mm-hmm. with uh which felt like Jordan Peele passed the baton to JJ Abrams with mm-hmm. some of the monsters. That kind of reminded me of Cloverfield. Yeah. They were terrifying though. Yeah. The way they uh they changed the sheriff into one of them, that was crazy. Oh, that was terrifying, yeah. I think in Cloverfield, like someone got bit and then it made that person like explode mm-hmm. in the lab or something like that. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they exploded. How'd you feel about them leaving Uncle George behind when they ran? Man, I was like, how y'all gonna leave him behind like that? But honestly, in a way, that's kind of like a really black thing to do. Is it? <laughs> Not like to purposely leave your, your, your homie behind. But it's kind of like, 
when you start running, you keep running. And you can't really think about anything else. Right, you just have to get out of there. Yeah. Um, I guess Letty was practical about it. I mean, like, what can you really do? Right. How, like, what can you really do for him at that point? Exactly. I mean, those monsters were chomping on those cops like pocky sticks. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. they were. I found it very interesting that they went straight for the cops, but then they kind of, like, didn't touch, you know, Atticus, Letty, and George. Like that white meat, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, we get to the mansion, and... That you said the second episode was to me entertaining, but it it was it was a lot. It, it was, was a, lot. a lot. There was a lot that you had to Google and find Easter eggs about. It was a lot going on in one episode. So I didn't really look up a whole lot for episode two, but you said you did. What were some Easter eggs that you you found for this? I took notes because it was a lot, so you have to take notes when it comes to these Easter eggs. Mm. Um. So let's see. There was a couple of things that they said were in there and I didn't actually pay attention to because it was so much. Mm -hmm. They said that this episode, of course you saw the racism, but this episode focused more on class and gender. Right. Yeah, especially within the white community. Of course, the white community was already racist towards black people. That's that's one thing that we already know. Mm -hmm. But in this episode, you saw how um, one thing that they said was, oh, we don't associate with the Klan. They're because the poor. clan is too poor. Yeah. yeah. So that was one thing. And then you notice that Christina, the, the girl with the long white hair, and she was, you could tell she was very upset because she couldn't get the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, she couldn't be on that level as her father because she wasn't a man. It was more important for a man to be on that level. But then you saw juxtaposed a bunch of poor white people outside of their little castle, right. their little mansion area in the right. village, and they weren't doing anything to help them. Right. Because, again, they don't associate with the poor. Right. They just only use the poor. It's a white man's world. Exactly. So, like, that was one of the Easter eggs. Um, another Easter egg that I noticed, well, honestly, this was more fun for me because my favorite book of all time is actually Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, okay. Yeah, so when they referenced that, I got really excited. Um, and as a kid, I didn't know that the author was a black man. I had no idea. And it was because the movie is an all-white cast for Count of Monte Cristo. Right. So you think when you watch an all-white cast movie that's based off of a book, you automatically assume assume that the writer is a white person as well. Mm-hmm. So then I got kind of salty growing up that, you know, finding out that he was a black man and this movie was all white people. I was like, that's not fair. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. So it, it was, and he's Haitian too, so he's an Islander. But mm. um. I noticed that in this movie, there were a lot of references, uh, not movie, in this TV show, there were a lot of references to Count of Monte Cristo. The way that um, Atticus, Tick's father, you know, came out to try and escape. Oh, yeah. In the the book, um, you know, the character tries to dig through to get out and escape the prison that he was in. Right, right. And considering that Tick's father's favorite book was Count of Monte Cristo as well, it makes sense for him to use that method to try and escape the mansion. Nice. So I noticed that and I was like, ah, this is cool. Nice. And also if you, if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, Mm -hmm. there was some imagery relating to Shawshank Redemption as well. And Shawshank Redemption, I really liked it as well. So I was kind of excited about that too. Classic but movie, yeah. I was more excited about the kind of Mon- the Count of Monte Cristo reference. Yeah. Yeah. That's... I was like, oh that's a cool that's a cool reference. That right. actually went really, really well. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's really good. It was smooth too. Like yeah. I I barely noticed it until Tick was like, ah, Count of Monte Cristo. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty dope. That was pretty much the Easter eggs that I found the most important. Sure. Yeah. I think because the show's not finished, maybe later episodes will help redeem episode two. I would hope so, yes. Because the woman is still there. Christina is still there. Right. So hopefully that'll redeem it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, episode three, let's go on to that before we mm-hmm. wrap it up because we're running a bit over time. Yeah. There are a lot of historical references for the episode three. Um, of course, the reference to Emmett Till has been noted across the internet. As a person from Mississippi, the Emmett Till story, I have so many emotions. Like, I think when I recognized that that was Emmett Till, because I already knew that Emmett Till's nickname was Bobo. Mm-hmm. So seeing Bobo, hearing Bobo, and then seeing the tie that he was wearing, and then hearing that his trip was not good, I I, I had to pause. I had to pause the episode. Because... <sighs> yeah. That woman is still alive. That woman still lives in Mississippi. Her offsprings... <laughs> Her nephew and everyone, they were governors of Mississippi for a very long time. Wow. Yeah, Governor Phil Bryant, racist, terrible human being. Nobody likes him. Yeah, so they still exist. They're still around. Wow. So, like, the Emmett Till thing really... It, that hit. Yeah, it hit. It hit. Because you're from Mississippi, you know that these people still exist, Mm. you know, and that this person just kind of just got off, you know? Yeah. And, like, she admitted later. Right. She admitted that she fabricated this stuff. Right. But nothing. Nothing. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, Yeah. Seeing her family get into success like that and then end up governor of Mississippi, it shows why Mississippi is the last, always the last state for any type of progression. Wow. Wow, yeah. Well, no. moving on to another reference. Ruby mentioned the Trumbull Park yes. incident, mm-hmm. which was a real Chicago housing project. Uh, mm-hmm. A black family moved in, and they were attacked with fireworks and rocks. Right. Black residents could not walk on the streets without police protection until right. 1963. Right. It's a w- weird side note. Uh, that was the year the first X-Men comic came out. You're right. Wow, that's a weird. That's weird. I mean, it's not related, but I just if you, if tri- you think about it, there. yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, I enjoyed Tick scene with uh, Michael K. Williams yelling at him. He said, "You want to tell Hippolyta that white people got magic on their side too?" Mm. It's like you want to tell the truth, but man, that that's gonna be crushing. Mm-hmm. That, that we got white wizards around here, mm-hmm. literal white grand wizards around literal. here. But yeah, this. This episode was all about Letty, though. Yeah. Um, I think she showed amazing range here. Yo, honestly, Letty in this episode, I was like, yeah. When when she came out with that baseball bat, mm. I was like, yes, Letty. Yes. Yes, Letty. Smash those cars. But I was also scared for her Terrified. at the same time. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, Letty's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Another historical reference is the um, the rough ride tactics yes. by, by police officers. Yes. Um, most recently, we have Freddie Gray, mm-hmm. who was probably killed in that way in the back yeah. of a police car. He got his neck broken, I right. believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she she showed that courage there. She was bright and hopeful in the beginning of the episode, and then she showed sadness when her sister confronted her about using the money. Yeah. I mean, she went 
everywhere in this episode. Everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. She's she's a great actress. How do you feel about the sex scene, though? That was weird. I was like, why do we need to put this here? Yeah. Was this necessary? It felt rushed. Yeah, it felt like they were just like, oh, I think we got to add something else because we need more time. You know? I just feel like you could have kissed at least and then just developed built it up yeah Yeah. because after the sex scene i found it anticlimactic that they didn't even like bring it up and they just went back to normal as if nothing happened because she mentioned that that was her first time and usually after your first time as a woman i don't know how it is for a man because i'm not a man but as a woman you kind of need time to process that Mm. sometimes you're okay but then sometimes when it's like someone like tick that you've known for a long time, mm. you kind of need to process that. I mean, and you could see in her face that she needed the, to process it. Yeah, I mean, not only did they go through all this traumatizing stuff together, yeah, but even herself, you know, remember in the mansion, she was going to do something with him, right. but then it wasn't him, and she kind of was almost sexually assaulted in that right, way. So that's right. trauma too. I don't like how they just rushed him in and kind of didn't give her time to really consent or think about it exactly it's like in 2020 like can we do better? can we please do better yeah, yeah. and it, it's like she went through this traumatic experience where she thought this was taken it wasn't and then suddenly we jump into the sex scene where she's like oh, okay i mean she's been seeing ghosts in the house yes yeah, so even I, behind her there was like that yeah ghost. the ghostly figure it could not have been tick for all we knew to be honest exactly so it, it was kind of like yeah why did they rush this? They, yeah. they should have taken their time with this. So then, in a way, her emotions and her trauma can, like, settle down. And then she can, like, rebuild trust with Tick in that romantic way. Or just trust in herself, too. Exactly. I mean, like, what's real, you know? Yeah, what's real and what's not. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was kind of a, a, that was the low point for me mm-hmm. so far. Um, but I thought the... the the mystical part of the show was cool. Yeah. Great to see those races get theirs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very powerful to see the victims heal yeah. and return to normal as the white doctor is being exercised. Yeah. Uh, the black lady who was speaking uh, Creole as yeah, uh, yeah, they yeah. were. That was really great. And Lady ultimately saving the day. Yeah. As she did kind of in the, in the first episode, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so far, it's good. Like, I'm with it. It's not hitting me as hard as Watchmen, but no. but it's it's great for what it is. I'm mm-hmm. very excited to see how it all plays out. Yeah, me too. I'm hoping that it continues to go really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, let me see if I have anything. Yeah, I mentioned that this was the episode that gave me nightmares. <laughs> episode three. Be- yeah, because of all the racism. Like episode one, it hit me. Mm-hmm. But episode three, because of everything that was happening with the racism and everything, it it just it triggered things for me. Yeah. Yeah. So then I was like, mm, okay, going to bed's gonna be difficult tonight. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be watching the show with me. I know. It's, it's gonna be hard for you. I'm I sorry. Know. I'm gonna I'm gonna be suffering like. <laughs> Suffer for the art. That's what I'm suffering for. I'm suffering for the art. <laughs> well, we, we appreciate your your sacrifice <laughs> and service. Um, all right, guys. Well, this has run long, but I really had fun talking to you. Yeah, this is a good. This is good. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. 
Uh, don't forget, we are blurred up at Facebook at B L E R D U P. We're on Instagram at B L E R D P R U P. We're on Twitter at B L E R D U. And we're on blurred.com, our partners. Check them out. And where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram as Tierra Latrice, T I A R A L E A T R I C E. Instagram, YouTube are the same name. So you just type it in in Google, boom, there. Um, you can also find my novels as Tierra L. Giles, but if you type in Tierra Latrice, the novels will pop up too. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right, y'all. Peace. Thank you all for listening.